This is a GRDC podcast. Farming, to some extent, is like a negotiation between two parties. In the case of farming, you are negotiating with your land. One measure of the success of a negotiation is what's left unclaimed at the table by either party. And again, the same with farming. What's left unclaimed in the paddock? In this case, that's called the yield gap. The difference between what was achieved and what was possible. GRDC has funded a national paddock survey that looked at the yield gap to discover the causes and to identify what is possible, how much is being left in the paddock and why. The four-year project has just ended and Harm Van Rees from CropFacts recently spoke about the results at a round of GRDC research updates. Now Harm told me that 250 paddocks were selected nationally and closely monitored over that four-year period. The average yield gap for those farmers was about 20 to 25 percent. So they are better than the average, but there's still that gap occurring. And the project is all about what is causing that yield gap and can we reduce that yield gap any further. 20 percent, would that be considered an acceptable gap or are there worse examples of that in the grains industry? Well, the average is closer to 50 percent, but for those farmers that are on 20 percent, you can keep closing the yield gap, but the risk in doing that keeps increasing because one of the major limiting factors is nitrogen. And as we all know, you apply nitrogen in crop, you're dependent on rainfall to wash the nitrogen in and to provide the extra yield potential for the crop. So if it doesn't rain, then that money is lost. Closing the yield gap to zero is always going to be impossible in a highly variable climate. So it's insufficient nitrogen that's the issue, is it? Yeah, insufficient nitrogen is, the, is one of the major causes for the yield gap. So farmers are, of course, they are risk averse. They want to make sure that the nitrogen that they apply is going to be used by the crop. But if we're coming into the end of August and we've got a lot of yield potential, great amount of dry matter, to put another dose of nitrogen on is a risky business because we need to get rain to wash the nitrogen in and then that extra rain is also going to be available to finish the crop off. It's always going to be impossible in our highly variable climate to get a total accurate rainfall forecast. The effect is that are really out of the control of farms, I suppose. That's right. And so in irrigated farming, you may be able to close that yield gap more And in some years, in a dryland farming, we'll get it wrong, and then some years we'll get it right. So it's always going to be difficult to completely close the yield gap in dryland farming. So you mentioned the farmers that you're surveying, that the average is around about a 20% yield gap, but the more broad average is around about 50%. What are those farmers doing better to achieve just a 20% yield gap? The main drivers would certainly be paddock selection, so in relation to the potential of that particular paddock and, and also in relation to disease control and weight control and everything else. But the main drivers would be nitrogen use and a second driver would be time of sowing, so making sure that the time of sowing is optimised for the production. And the third one would be overall nutrition and the fourth one would be specifically dealing with weeds and diseases and insect control. Overall nutrition, does that mean phosphorus, other nutrients? There may be uh, some issues associated with that as well. 
Well, certainly phosphorus is a big one, and even though most farmers are are using phosphorus in their sowing operation, the amount of phosphorus that's taken in out of the ground in a crop is significant. It's around three and a half kilograms of P per tonne of production. So at least a replacement of that is required. So you know, th- there is a, a factor of phosphorus plays a role, but other nutrients, when you're pushing the yield gap, other nutrients can become important, such as sulfur and zinc, and even some of the micronutrients can play a big role in optimising that yield potential when you are very close to that potential yield. You mentioned diseases and pests. Do they play a major role in the yield gap or where do they sit? Well, I think they probably play a significant role. So even though we often don't see a disease level in the paddock when we're looking at a crop above ground, there is actually a fact of of reducing the length and the amount of roots that are in the soil. So there is reductions from the major limiting factors of diseases such as pratolancus and fusarium which is well fusarium in a a bad year you can see above ground but there's also effect on the crop itself below ground actually happening so there are a lot of diseases that are affecting our crops and low level disease levels will definitely have an impact. Were there many differences between localities do those sort of environmental factors come into play as well? The environmental factors across the nation is clearly the differences between region and the potential yield, and that is set by the soil type and also the amount of rainfall. But if you look at the overall, there are, in all regions around Australia, there were definitely farmers who are getting that very close to closing the yield gap. So even though the average might be 50% in particular regions, in most regions it's much less because the better farmers are doing about 20%. What are some of the variations? For instance, in southern New South Wales, waterlogging was a big issue. Yeah, that's right. So southern New South Wales, 2016, as you said, there was a a large effect of waterlogging. But when we compare that to the data in northern Victoria, it was probably the best year that farmers had seen for over a decade because we just had the right amount of rainfall for that particular year. It came in quite late. So the farmers that decided to put more nitrogen out had a fantastic response and we grew six and a half tonne wheat crops in the Mallee, which in my relatively short time as a consultant of 30 years, I've never ever seen that before. It's not a bad one, is it? Not a bad result. Just uh, trying to get an idea of just how far this can be pushed, how, how close can that yield gap be closed? We can never close the yield gap completely because we're so dependent on rainfall and that is always a forecast because we don't know that for sure. We can't go backwards in relation to our nitrogen application. So I would hazard a guess that if we can grow our crops regularly at around 15 to 20 percent as the yield penalty in in relation to the optimum, that's probably as close as we're going to get. And there will be years where that could be 4 or 5% because we've got the nitrogen and all the root diseases exactly right. But there will be years when it's going to be more because we missed an opportunity with a rainfall event that was quite late and the crop wanted to take opportunity of that but couldn't because there was not enough nitrogen applied. So it's always going to be a risky factor trying to get it exactly right. But I suppose it's something to aspire to, isn't it? And so for, for farmers who perhaps are looking, wanting to, to close that yield gap, they know they've got a bit of a problem there. Where do they start? 
Knowing what you've got is probably the most important thing. And, and this is no different to the top crop program that we run 20 or 30 years ago where people were learning and working through what the most important factors were that was stopping their potential production. And so it's been a long-term process. But the big difference between 20 or 25 years ago with top crop and the currently is that we have so much better technologies available for us to actually measure what the limiting factors are and and one example would be the the soil disease assessment through the predictor b technology is that that gives you a really good handle what diseases and what level of diseases are in the soil now not every year those diseases will be expressed but you know that they are there and if they are at very high levels you can either look at the rotation or develop some other practice to reduce those levels. So it is really all about understanding our crop production systems, monitoring what is actually happening, and then being able to take advantage of the outcomes of that information. Painting a picture of a paddock and keeping really good records uh, so that you get a good clue over time of what's happening. Well, ultimately, and, and it's all about keeping records. I mean, if you don't know how much nitrogen you applied, historically, then you never know what the response to that nitrogen was, as an example. And knowing that the paddock had high levels of take all three years ago gives you an indication or at least a good guide to what the response in the following wheat could be if you're growing a wheat crop in that particular paddock. So it is all about keeping records and using the best sources of information that are available. What about for those farmers who are getting really, really close to closing that that yield gap? Where do they go from there? Well, there's two things. We can extend the yield gap through better cultivars, and we know that over time we're getting about a 1% increase in production from the better cultivars that we're growing. So that's historically that 1%. But also in terms of risk management, that's probably the area where the farmers are going to get the greatest bang for their buck is to really know what the risks are associated with those higher inputs and the better farming practices in relation to the risk and that always comes back to climate risk. Understanding it and knowing what the forecasts are for rainfall and really driving that knowledge in the ability to make in-crop management decisions is what I think is going to be closing the yield gap even more. So are you saying that that farmers, uh, to close that yield gap, need to take greater risks or more manageable risks? I'm not sure there's a lot of difference between them because um, there's always going to be a factor of greater risks, but understanding what is behind those risks is going to be what's going to be making the best decision because putting out nitrogen as an example late in the season is always going to be risky but if there were really good forecasts from the Bureau of Meteorology towards a a wetter spring that helps a lot and is never guaranteed because the Bureau can't make the perfect forecast either but with a whole range of different information at that time of year such as knowing how much water is in the soil soil profile so in case you get less rain than you expected you knew that there was a buffering capacity in the soil in terms of stored water in the in at that time of year so a really good network of soil water probes also a really good idea because then you know right throughout the season where your crop is at 
and how much water is available to the crop. So I guess what I'm saying is that, that we've got so many tools available to us at the moment and to really utilise those tools and use the solid information provided that's based on evidence is what is going to reduce the gap ultimately even more than where we're working at the moment. Harm Van Rees from CropFacts talking about the National Paddock Survey and closing the yield gap.